Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. God is the one who changes the world, but he does it through us. Isn't that what Philippians 2.13 says? For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the power and the desire to do his will. God is working through you to be that change agent in the world. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, at times we are painfully short-sighted. The responsibilities that fill our day tend to overshadow our long-term goals and aspirations. But God has a much bigger plan for us than simply surviving one more day. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares three foundational beliefs that can help us become true world changers. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Today and throughout the rest of the month, we're learning about an Old Testament prophet who modeled strength in a culture that openly defied godly values. Elijah was his name, and Elijah provides inspiration for us all. I've titled this series, Choosing the Extraordinary Life. To help you, I've written a best-selling book by the same title. This isn't a dry historical study of Elijah's ancient life. My book addresses the practical lessons we've learned from his courage and wisdom. In my book, I'll help you discover your unique purpose. I'll teach you how to handle the inevitable bad days in your life and how to wait on God's timing. Plus, I'll also include a new life application guide with practical tools to help you get the most of what you read. My book and the Life Application Guide are yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. As a bonus, when you respond today, I'll also send you an exclusive resource called The Elijah Map. This six-panel, full-color brochure clearly identifies the events that set Elijah apart from other people in his day, and it shows you how his story intersects with your own. A copy of the Elijah map is my gift to you simply for contacting us at ptv.org. And now it's time to dig into the subject at hand. Today we're talking about secret number two for living an extraordinary life, and that is determining to influence your culture. I've titled today's message, Convictions That Will Change Your World. We have begun a new series I'm calling Choosing the Extraordinary Life. And using the Old Testament prophet Elijah's life, we're discovering how God can take an ordinary person and use him or her in an extraordinary way. And specifically, we're looking at what I call Elijah's seven secrets for living a significant and successful life. The foundational secret we looked at several weeks ago, and that is to discover your unique purpose in life. God is writing a unique story in your life to tell his story to the world. Then we began last time looking at the second secret, which was determining to influence your culture, your world. God did not leave us here to isolate ourselves from this darkening culture or to identify with the culture, become like it, he left us here to influence the culture. And extraordinary people understand that. That's God's purpose for our lives. That was true for Elijah. 
Elijah in the ninth century BC was dropped in the middle of a corrupt culture, a deteriorating culture. But Elijah understood that his purpose was to influence that culture for God. I closed last time's message by quoting my old professor, Howard Hendricks. He said that at that time, Elijah's time, Israel was, quote, a nation on the skids. He goes on to say, there was a mania of mediocrity in Israel. 7,000 believers were huddled in a cave in silent protest. We don't want to get involved, was their cry. But this man, Elijah, stands out like a spiritual colossus in the midst of a generation of perverts and spiritual pygmies. What is it that made Elijah a giant in his time? It was embracing three convictions that not only molded his own life, but allowed him to change the world. And today we're going to talk about those three convictions that will change your life and change the world around you. Conviction number one is this, and that is God is alive and active in the culture. If you're going to change your world, you have to believe God is actually alive and he's active in the culture. When Elijah stood before evil King Ahab and Jezebel, 1 Kings 17, 1, he said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Elijah didn't believe he was serving a set of ideas. He was serving a living being named Jehovah God who had real characteristics, real attributes. You know, we live in a culture today that doesn't have a clue about who God is. And that includes many Christians as well. Not long ago, I was at a ceremony right here in Dallas, Texas at a Christian organization a Baptist organization, and the chaplain who was leading the ceremony, a Baptist chaplain said, now would you join me as we close our eyes and pray to the God of our own understanding? The God of our own understanding? Are you telling me that God is whatever I think he is? That's what a lot of people think. God is the sum of all of our speculations and imaginations about him. No, the Bible says. There is a real God who is a real being who has real characteristics and attributes. And if you want to know who that God is, there are two ways to discover him. One is through the written word of God. This book will tell you everything you need to know about God. And then secondly, through the living word of God, Jesus Christ himself. In John 1, 1 and 2, the apostle writes, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He who has seen me has seen the Father. And by the way, that same Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of God, said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Those who choose to worship 
the God of their own understanding are on the highway to hell. There is only one God, and there's only one way to that God, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. The nation of Israel, God's own people, had come to the point where they weren't understanding that. They were worshiping the God of their own understanding. And today, what we call tolerance, inclusivism, pluralism. God had another name for it. He called it idolatry. To worship any other God was idolatrous, and God was fed up with it. And because of that, he sent his man, Elijah, to say, as I serve the living God, there is one God, and his name is Jehovah. If we're going to influence our culture, we have to have that conviction that God is alive, he's real, and he's active in the culture. Conviction number two, if we're going to change the world around us, we have to understand that we are God's representative to the culture. We are God's representative to the culture. Now, as you search through Scripture, you'll discover the Bible uses three analogies to describe our relationship to the culture around us. First of all, the Bible uses the analogy of an ambassador. An ambassador. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. Paul writes, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Do you know what the message God is shouting to the world? Not that he hates people, but that he loves people. He loves them so much he wants to be reconciled with them. Even though the world, that means you and I have wandered away from God. God took the first step in reestablishing that relationship by sending his son Christ to die for us. That's the message God wants articulated in the world. God wants to be reconciled to man. But how does God deliver that message? He does it through you and me. That's why he says in verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating, begging through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The way God voices his message of love and reconciliation and the gospel of Christ to the world is through you. You are God's mouthpiece. You are his ambassador. God has charged you with that ministry of sharing with others how to be reconciled to God. Now, what is important to note is ambassadors do not speak their own message. Their job is not to manufacture a message but to articulate the king's message. In Paul's day, an ambassador was a representative of the king or emperor in a foreign land. He would go there to represent the king's interest, to spread the king's kingdom, to share the mind of the king on a variety of topics, not to share his own opinion, but to share what the king believed. If we faithfully are representing God, now listen to this, if we are faithfully representing God, you know what? It doesn't matter what we think about same-sex marriage. It doesn't matter what we think about abortion. It doesn't matter what we think about capital punishment. 
Doesn't matter what we think about the validity of other world religions. What matters is, what does God say about that subject? And the Bible clearly tells us what God says about those things. Our job as an ambassador is not to manufacture, but to articulate the king's message. We are his ambassadors. Elijah understood that. Elijah understood whether he was condemning Ahab and Jezebel or whether he was dealing with the false prophets of the Baal and the Asherah, whether he was calling down fire from heaven. He was simply doing the king's bidding. And as long as an ambassador does the king's bidding, he enjoys the power and the protection of the king. God is looking for men and women just like Elijah who will dare to be his spokesman, his representative in the world. One of my favorite verses of scripture is 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Now, when we decide that we're going to be that ambassador for God, it doesn't mean our assignment is always going to be easy. A few weeks ago when I was in Washington, D.C., I was walking across the lobby of the hotel and a man and woman stopped me and introduced themselves to me and they talked about uh, how much they appreciate uh, our ministry here at First Baptist Church and it turns out they are the new ambassadors from our country to Switzerland. I thought, now what a neat assignment that would be to be an ambassador in the shadow of the Alps. Can you imagine how nice that would be? I don't know what you have to do to get a gig like that, but that's a pretty good deal. But you know what? Most ambassadors don't serve in a luxurious place like that. Think about the ambassador to Rwanda, or the ambassador to Afghanistan. How would you like that assignment? Well, in the same way, some Christians get posh assignments, I guess. But many Christians minister as God's ambassador in out-of-the-way places, sometimes very uncomfortable places. But the point is, wherever the king places you and me, our job is to articulate the king's message. You may remember a few years ago, I got invited to come out and be on Bill Maher's show on HBO uh, real time. And I really didn't know much about Bill Maher. He, uh, I'd seen him interviewed a couple of times, but I'd never seen a show. And so they invited me to come out on a Friday night. And I thought, well, why not? You know, it's either that or sit at home in my pajamas. Why not go on out and do that? And so I agreed to go out. And I asked some of my prayer partners to pray for me as I went out there. And they said, you're going to do that, Pastor? Have you lost your mind? Haven't you ever seen Bill Maher's show? And I said, well, no, I hadn't seen it. So I decided to pull it up and pull up a few past episodes. I soon discovered they were right. I had lost my mind. <laughs> they said, Pastor, he's going to eat you alive. I said, well, we better begin praying then, shouldn't we? Because I thought to myself, here was my thinking. I thought, you know, if the Apostle Paul can go to Mars Hill and deliver a message for God, surely I can go to Mars Studio in Hollywood and do the same thing. So they flew Amy and Dorothy and me out there that Friday to be on the show. And so we got there. And I'm going to tell you something. I've done thousands of radio and television interviews. But after seeing what I saw, I've never been as nervous about any interview in my life. 
And I remember we were there in the hotel. We had just checked in, waiting for the car to come pick us up, to take us to the studio. And I remember uh, Dorothy and Amy and I just stood in a circle. We held hands and we prayed that God would somehow use that evening for his glory. We got to the studio, did all the preliminary stuff. I walked out on the stage and Bill poked a little bit of fun at me, but we sat down and uh, we started to talk and somehow I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And Bill asked some really softball questions, at least for a preacher, about what the difference was between what I believed and Christianity taught and other religions. And I had a very clear opportunity to share that true Christianity is based on the grace of Jesus Christ and not on works. And early in the program, the audience was jeering and booing me. By the end, they were applauding. I've never been through an experience like that. And when we had finished with the interview, Bill Staff said, in all the years we've done this show, we've never seen Bill treat a conservative Christian with as much respect as he treated you. And that was because of the prayers of you all. And today, today, years later, I still run into people on the street, non-Christians who say, hey, we saw you on a YouTube clip with Bill Maher. And you don't know what impact that had on our lives. Now, here's my point. If I had stayed in the safety of my cocoon right here at First Baptist Church, Dallas, I never would have had an opportunity to speak to millions of people. Most of us don't face the quandary of whether or not to appear on national television. But every day you're faced with a decision of whether you're going to be God's ambassador where you are in your workplace, in that classroom that may be hostile to Christianity, in a family filled with unbelievers. Being an ambassador for Christ isn't always convenient or comfortable, but it's what God has left us here to do. Elijah understood that. He was God's representative to the culture. God uses the illustration of an ambassador. The second illustration analogy he uses is salt. We talked about this last time, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. In Jesus' day, salt was a preservative. Salt did not prevent the decay of meat. It delayed the decay of the meat. It gave the meat a longer shelf life. And Jesus said one reason he's left us here as his representatives in the world is to help delay the decay of this world so we have longer to share the gospel. Now, salt does meat no good whatsoever if it stays in the salt shaker, isolated. So many Christians today have chosen to isolate themselves from the culture. Oh, we can't get involved in the culture. That's not our calling. Salt does nothing if it remains in the shaker. We can't isolate ourselves from the culture. Jesus also said salt is useless if it becomes diluted, that it doesn't retain its distinctiveness. No, salt is only good is if it penetrates the culture and influences the culture. That's what God has called us to do, to be salt in this world. And then the third analogy he uses is we are light. Look at verses 14 to 16 of Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know what's interesting to me? In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But now that Jesus is in heaven, he says in this passage, you are the light of the world. The world can't see Jesus. He's gone. He's in heaven. But he shines his light through you to others. Now, the only way light is any good is if it's visible. Not long ago, uh, the power went out in our house. So I stumbled around in the darkness and fortunately found a flashlight in the drawer right beside the bed. Now, that light, flashlight in the drawer was absolutely of no use. It's only when I took it out of the drawer that it became useful. You see, the only way light can cut through the darkness is if light confronts the darkness. And it's the same way with us. We cannot stay hidden. We can't keep our faith hidden. We can't remain in our holy huddles in churches like so many Christians are advocating we do today. No, we have to confront the darkness with the light of God's word. Now, Elijah understood that. He understood he was an ambassador, he was salt, and he was light. But he went through periods of discouragement. He thought he was all alone, having no impact. We'll talk about that in the weeks ahead. If we're not careful as this world continues to deteriorate and darken, we can get discouraged. And that's why we need to have this third and final conviction, and that is God is able to change the culture. Now, while it's true we're ambassadors, we're salt, we're light, by ourselves we are absolutely useless in changing the culture. We can't change anybody God is the one who changes people. God is the one who changes the world, but he does it through us. He has chosen to partner with us in this mission to change the world. Isn't that what Philippians 2.13 says? For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the power and the desire to do his will. God is working through you to be that change agent in the world. How do we partner with God effectively to change our culture and change our world? By following the pattern of Elijah, this prophet we're studying. Let me repeat those closing principles. In our own strength, we're powerless to change our culture. God is the one who changes the world. But when we follow Elijah's model, we can become instruments in the hands of God to change our world. Gratefully, we're already hearing from thousands of our listeners who want to get on board and begin a life of significance. And now it's your turn. Let today be the day you start living the story God wants to tell through you. That begins by understanding His plan for your life. And I've written a best-selling book to help you discover your unique purpose. It's called Choosing the Extraordinary Life, God's Seven Secrets for Success and Significance. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request your own hardcover copy of my book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life. It comes with a life application guide with practical questions to help you apply this teaching personally. Now, your generous gift accomplishes far more than receiving my book and the life application guide. 
When you give to Pathway to Victory, God is using your generosity to touch lives as well. Not long ago, I received a note that was sent from Ohio. Cindy wrote, Pastor Jeffress, I listen to Pathway to Victory on my way to a very stressful job every weekday morning. I cannot tell you how much your messages help me get through the work day. I just wanted to say thank you. Well, that's precisely why we're partnering together in this ministry. And when you give to Pathway to Victory, you're the one who's making it possible to touch people like Cindy and countless others who've come to rely on these daily radio programs. Thank you in advance for your generosity. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, you're invited to request a copy of Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, Choosing the Extraordinary Life, along with the Life Application Guide. Ask for your copy when you call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when you give $75 or more, you'll also receive both the CD and DVD teaching sets for Choosing the Extraordinary Life. To request the complete package of resources, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. A lot of listeners prefer to contact us the good old-fashioned way. If that's you, write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. There's more to come in this message called Convictions That Will Change Your World. So join us again Friday for Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel where Bible prophecy comes to life. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives where Jesus is returning one day and the Plain of Megiddo where the final world battle will take place. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sights for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. To learn more and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org.